Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. I'm uh, excited about this. It's uh, uh, something, for me, it's a step of faith, okay, to step out and start something new. And uh, so you, <clears throat> you, know, you get the little jitters and whatever, like, oh, how's this going to go? And the Lord's like, are you obeying me? If you're obeying me, then you, you don't have anything to worry about. So praise the Lord for that. I like that. It's, uh, it's a good thing to follow the Lord even when you don't know how everything is going to go. I had a situation years ago where um, we, we had a guy come to church to give a testimony. And after he gave his testimony about how he was healed, or I should say partially healed, he woke up from a coma. A friend of mine kind of woke him up from the coma, um, kind of supernaturally in the name of Jesus. And he was healed <clears throat> mostly. He was there at the church giving his testimony and talking about all this stuff. It was amazing what God did. But then for him to, uh, uh, after, the, after the testimony, the pastor starts preaching on uh, teaching about healing. And right while the pastor's teaching, the, the Lord speaks to me and says, get up right now and go lay hands on that man. And I'm like, uh, in case you didn't notice, Lord, you know, <laughs> this guy's preaching up here. You know, the pastor was teaching. But he said, get up right now and go lay hands on him. It had something to do with the dexterity of my hands and my fingers. And uh, so I waved my hand at the pastor. I said, hey, I believe the, the Lord's telling me to go lay hands on him. He said, Joe, get over there right now. So I went over there. As soon as I laid hands on the guy, I looked up at the back wall of the church and kind of in the spirit, I could see a, a nerve go click, you know? And um, so you don't know what's going to happen when you step out in faith. But stepping out in faith is absolutely necessary. In order for us to step into the realm that's going to change this world, which, in case you hadn't noticed, this world could use a little changing, and uh, or a lot of it. But it's not going to come by our natural means. It's going to have to come from the super over the natural. It's going to have to come by God's directives coming through our hearts and giving birth into this world. And, it's, and it looks like a natural action. Hey, you just, I just walked across the church and laid hands on a guy, okay? Uh, but it was as I did it that something happened. So a step of obedience is always going to bring a miracle, okay? And so this, this tonight is a step of obedience for me <clears throat> because the Lord spoke to me back in, uh, it was November or December, and... And the Lord said, um, he said, I want you to teach on family for a full year. I just, that, just that, teach on family for a full year. Once again, I knew it wasn't a, a family life thing. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it on Sunday mornings uh, and, and eat up the whole preaching calendar for a year on Sunday mornings. Um, and then I saw, as I continued to pray, I saw this. And... Um, uh, I wanted to do it as a JBM meeting because we can reach beyond the walls of the church, you know. 
people who think, oh, well, I don't go to family life, so I can't go to that meeting. Well, I wanted to be, so if it's a JBM meeting, there's no church allegiance or anything, right? It makes it real easy. And uh, so, um, so teaching for a full year, as I was praying about it, you know, I was thinking, okay, and here's, I'm just sharing my thoughts and my plan for it, just kind of so you get the idea. So I realized that you got to pace yourself because if you're doing extra stuff, you, you know. So I, I started thinking about, well, one quarter has 13 weeks. And so uh, I was just trying to think of how to break it up. I thought, well, if we go for five weeks and then take one week off and then do that again and then take two weeks off. So five weeks and one week, five weeks, two weeks, you're done with full quarter. <clears throat> and uh, if we just did that four times this year, then we're, we, we obeyed the Lord or I obeyed the Lord, right? whoever desires to come. And um, so uh, I was thinking, maybe I should push this off till February. You know, there's just so much going on. And, you know, what? then I thought, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to obey. <laughs> take a step. Amen. So as you take a step, then you find out, you know, find out whether you heard from God or not, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and then let's start seeing the fruit. Now, I was in a situation yesterday. Um, somebody came over to the house, and um, she was just sitting down. Nancy and I were sitting at the at the dinner table, just sitting there talking, and started to see that uh, some of the ways that were normal for me were extremely abnormal for her. And when she talked about things in her past and how things had gone as she was being raised, you know, that she was like pleading with some, some other family to adopt her away from her situation, you know, and wanted to get out of it so badly because it was so, so terrible. And then th thinking about really honestly how ministered to she was just by sitting at our table. She texted us later, like, you know, thank you so much. And... Um, for us, it's just like, we're just talking. But for her, it's an absolutely different environment that she'd never been exposed to. And it reminded me of um, one of our ministers here. She was in one of our small groups years ago. And uh, we were sitting in our living room. And as we were sitting there, uh, Olivia, my daughter, was, uh, praise the Lord, come on in. <clears throat> my daughter, Olivia, was just walking through the living room to go down into the basement. So she was about to open the door to the basement. I said, hey, babe, hi, what's going on? She goes, oh, I, I got to get some homework done for tomorrow. I, I said, I love you. And she went downstairs. And this girl sitting there on our couch along with the rest of the group was like, I've never seen anything like that before. I'm like, how can that be? Never saw anything like that before. She said, I never saw an interaction between a father and a daughter like that. So for me, well, that was just, that's just normal, you know? But for her, that was like, she said, I feel like I'm being reparented because I've never been exposed to this. And I started thinking and, and, and looking around and what is obvious to us 
is probably what we're gifted at. Right? What, what's obvious to us? Building houses. It's obvious to you. <laughs> I mean, it's just real simple. You know, it's just how, you know, it's, you see everything needs to be done, just do it and then you're done. Uh, <laughs> not for somebody who's not gifted. And it's not obvious, for sure, not obvious to me. And family is obvious to me. Uh, it's very obvious. And even though probably if you were to listen to the recording um, of Nancy and I's relationship and conversations over the last 35 years, you'd be surprised. <laughs> There's times when the volume might be peaking on the recording, like, wow, that's too loud. How, how'd it get so loud? Um, <clears throat> there might be times when uh, the tone wasn't what you'd expect uh, from me or from her, okay? Guess what? We're human. And as we're human, we have to learn how to rise up above where we are and who we are. And honestly, if you confess the Lord, if you confess the Lord, if you confess that Jesus is yours and, and you are his, then um, we're supposed to live on earth as it is in heaven. That's just the way it is. That's how we're supposed to live. But that doesn't always happen because we have a thing called flesh, okay? And this flesh wants to have its way. So in Galatians chapter 5, um, as a matter of fact, let me read this to you and uh, go right into this. Galatians chapter 5, and if you have your Bibles, that's a good idea because I don't have anybody on the, on the screens tonight. Maybe in the future we could do that, but that's, uh, we're just getting started and we'll fill in the gaps as we go, right? But if I go down in Galatians chapter 5 and I look at verse... Um, in verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Yeah, easier said than done. Well, let me show you some things. I'll read that again. Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. In other words, you know another name for conflict? Another word for conflict? War or battle. <clears throat> they're, at, <clears throat> they're in battle with each other. Your flesh and your spirit are literally at war. This is one of the reasons why I think this is a little aside, but that's what I'm good at, a little asides here and there. One of the reasons that praise and worship music is so important is because it gives, it gives uh, armament to the Holy Spirit to give to you to war after your flesh, okay? So when you're, you're about to raise your voice at your wife and you hear, you hear the Lord, or you hear this song come up, says, I cast all my cares upon you. You know, it's like, I don't want to hear that right now. Well, that's your spirit talking. So you, you know, you have a choice here. You have a choice to go with, <clears throat> with the, uh, the demon on one shoulder or the angel on the other. 
you, it's your choice, which, you know, you, you know, that's not just in the movies, by the way. <laughs> there, there's some real reality to that type of thing. In every situation, you're handed two scripts. The flesh hands you a script, and the spirit hands you a script. And the flesh says, have your way. Do this, do that. Say this, say that. And the spirit says, love, serve, honor, humility, right? <clears throat> so here, <clears throat> excuse me, um, verse 17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you uh, are not to do, you don't do whatever you, you don't do what you want, you know? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, you ready for the list? The acts of the flesh. I always love reading verses 22 and 23 because it gives you the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to read in a few seconds. But the fruit of the flesh, I, I don't want to read this list. It's, you know, it's kind of like reading the end of Deuteronomy 28 and all the negative things that are happening. It's like a scary movie. I don't want to read that. I don't want to watch scary movies. I don't want to, you know, I'm not interested, okay? However, it's a good idea so that you know the telltale signs of what's going on, okay? And I'll, I'll give you an illustration of this in a second. <clears throat> um, the acts of the flesh, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Well, if you don't know what that means, you should look it up. Okay, now it's so easy, you know, like right on your, on your computer, you can, you can click and, and right away. But you know what sexual immorality is, okay? That's a fruit of your flesh, okay? Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Oh, darn. Why did they put that in there? You know, back when Nancy first became a Christian, when she was reading in, in verse 23, uh, where it says, you know, gentleness and self-control, I looked in, I think we still have the Bible, but she crossed out self-control. <laughs> she literally put a line right through it, like, forget it, I can't do that. <laughs> well, if it's up to you, you can't, which is why it's the fruit of the Spirit not a fruit of the flesh, okay? In the flesh, you can't, right? The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred. That's a fruit of your flesh. If you hate your spouse, if you're hating somebody, that's a fruit of your flesh. Hatred, discord. You know what discord is? Anybody know what discord is? I'm a musician, so I know what discord is. When my guitar is out of tune, <clears throat> and, and it's out of tune, you're like, that's discord. It, it's not beautiful, it's not harmonious, okay? Discord. So a, discord is a fruit of the flesh. Jealousy. Oh, your wife got to go out with all her friends and you haven't been out with the guys in a while. That's jealousy. Okay, fits of rage, mm. selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Really? Wait a second. They will not inherit the kingdom of God? Does this mean that if you function in these things, you won't go to heaven? Well, how do you get to heaven? You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your house. Your whole house can be saved, right? So the way you get to heaven is by believing Jesus Christ. But if you, if you get angry with your, your husband or get angry with your, your spouse, that's a fruit of the flesh. Does that mean you're not going to go to heaven because you did that? No, I'm sorry, that's not what that means. However, do you, want, do you know what the kingdom of God is? The, the king, it says the, the kingdom of God is a matter, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is, the, is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, do you want that in your life? I do. Well, what's righteousness? Here's, here's another way to say righteousness. God likes you. You're his favorite. He, I mean, he, he prefers you. Uh, he's not mad at you. He's not holding any sins against you. Okay? He's actually given you a gift of, you get to be my friend. The gift is, you get to be my friend. Does that make sense? So, I mean, what a gift that is. How, I mean, think of somebody who you greatly admire, right? Think of somebody you greatly admire. What if you could be, and it's somebody you don't know, but you greatly admire them. What if you got the gift of being able to be their friend? That's a gift, right? You find out that, you know, you get to go out to dinner with so-and-so. Wow, really? Yeah. I so admired them. I never met them, but I, I so admire them. Well, you're getting the gift to get to go out to dinner with them and just sit and talk. Oh, that's amazing. Well, the gift of righteousness is that plus more, okay? The gift of righteousness is that God himself says, I choose you. I want you to come to dinner with me. Let's, let's sit down and talk. Let's, let's be friends. Let's have a relationship that's really unhindered, you know, without um, fear without doubt, without hatred, with, without all this garbage, right? Let's have, a, let's have an awesome relationship. You've met somebody that you really, you hit it off with them. Uh, as a guy, I hate to bring up this show, but um, Anne of Green Gables, okay, <laughs> right? She, she says, oh, we're kindred spirits or, or, or bosom buddies or whatever she calls it, you know? And... Uh, well, that's when you, you hit it off. I mean, the chemistry's right when you, when you talk to somebody. You, you, when, when, you are, when you're talking to this person, you get along so well. You, you with me? Okay. So that kindred thing of, boy, you just absolutely know you're in tune. That's what righteousness is. That is what righteousness is. Is you and God hit it off. You're like, 
You're kidding, it's this good? That's what righteousness is. How we doing? We doing all right? Okay. All right. So this gift of righteousness is um, part of the kingdom of God. Remember that the word kingdom comes from the dominion of the king. Wherever the king is in charge, that's the king's dominion. So you and I come into, when we become, when he becomes our Lord, we come up into, come up under the kingdom of God, <clears throat> the dominion, his dominion. I love being, I love living in America, okay? I do. I love living in America because I've lived in other countries. I'm not, I've been to other countries, not lived in. I've been to other countries. Boy, even driving home one time from Niagara Falls, we were driving through Canada, and I just had this sense like, man, I don't know the laws here. I don't know what's allowed. I, I'm, I'm not familiar, okay? By the way, what's a kilometer? You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, it, it just feels weird. Okay, if you've ever been to a an English colony and they drive on the left side of the street, I mean that's really really weird. Okay, it doesn't feel right. But when you're in the kingdom of God, everything fits. Everything fits. Now, what I'm giving you is key to relationships in every direction. But I'm going to go after one particular tonight, okay? So those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're living by the fruit of the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I would say that doesn't mean you're going to miss heaven when you die. This is my belief, okay? What I believe is right now, you've just moved yourself out from under his dominion and now you're out where it rains. You just stepped out from underneath Jesus' umbrella over your life. Have fun. It's up to you what lands on you. Could be up to the devil what lands on you. But you're not going to experience the dominion of the king in your marriage, in your life, the way you want to. But you could. But it says that those who live like this, I'm going to read the list again, even though I hate to do so. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So let's not walk in the flesh because we want to live, we want to create an environment in our homes that is not just uh, where we're safe from the rain, R-A-I-N, in the world and all the things that are raining down on the world. Not just for us, but for our family because you create the environment of the home. You create the environment of the home, okay? You ever heard the phrase, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, okay? <laughs> I, 
I have to tell you that that's actually true. Because <laughs> if Nancy's not happy, oh well. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, it, 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 she is in many ways the, uh, the, um, she, sets the, she sets the tone of the home. Well, then I hope she's walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. <laughs> it's wonderful when she walks according to the spirit because it doesn't matter what kind of stuff's coming at her because her response is a pleasant one. But if she's walking in the flesh, ain't mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. And I would say that is of the flesh. That's a truth, but it's still the, the actual process is a flesh process. So years ago, when Nancy and I were still living down, uh, downtown Wheaton, <coughs> um, I come home and uh, Nancy says that, uh, she goes, you need to go into Olivia's room. <coughs> uh, my daughter just walked in the room. And she, this is what you get when you're a pastor's kid. This just happens. <laughs> she said, she's having a complete meltdown. I said, okay. And I w walked toward her room. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't have anything. I said, you have got to help me because I have zero. Opening the door of that room, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. And I said, Lord, you better give me something. <clears throat> you can start feeling lonely pretty quick when you're asking God for something. But I'll tell you, if you believe him to show up, he will show up. And it was such an amazing thing that happened. Um, Olivia was sitting there on the bed, crying. I don't know what happened. You know, it didn't really even matter what happened. But it was enough that she was really upset. So I just, uh, this, this passage came to mind. Let me read the next portion of the passage. It says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay? So I said to Olivia, I said, let me just ask you a quick question. As far as love is concerned, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing right now? She said, zero. I said, good. Okay, that's honest. I said, the next one, love, all right, in verse 22, the next one is joy. I said, Olivia, on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing as far as joy is concerned? She said, zero. Uh, peace, zero. Patience, zero. Kindness, zero. We went through the whole list. Zero on every one of them. I said, do you realize what that means? That means that right now you're operating in the flesh. But you could operate in the spirit if you wanted to. I got to tell you, it was instantaneous. She was instantly fine. Instantly her emotions just flipped just like that. Why? Because she was set free from, and because that flesh 
can bind you. It's a bondage. And it wants to hold you back. You get it? Okay. So she was, because the scripture says in John chapter 8, that then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right? So she was instantly set free from that. Hey, listen, you've all had your days. You know that's true, okay? It just so happened on that day for Olivia, I prayed and asked God, you better give me some wisdom. And Nancy just sent me in there. I mean, she wasn't even trying. You know know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not trying to diss my wife. She's she's the best. Um, So... We all need to be set free. And when we're in the midst of those situations, we need somebody to come along and say, and and turn the light on for us. And it was simply that. How you doing on a scale of 1 to 10 in the area of love? Be honest with yourself. You'll find out pretty soon you're in the flesh. Man, how'd you get in the flesh? You were born that way. But you were born again in the Spirit. You see that? So as we begin to have a different mindset, because, well, see, everybody say this word, say trigger. You remember that white horse that, you know, what's his name? <clears throat> the Lone Range? Roy Rogers. Who was it? Who had trigger? Was it Roy Rogers? Roy Rogers, thank you. And... Um, Well, quite a horse, right? That's not the kind of trigger I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that sets you off. When I was little, you know, they said, oh, he's a redhead, fiery temper. They would always say that, oh, fiery temper. And I thought, okay, well, I can do that. If that's the expectation, I'll live up to it. Honestly, I honestly thought that. Okay, if that's the deal, I'll do it. And so I would blow up angry, you know, at people. But when I got born again, that seemed to just lift off of me, you know? That, that's powerful. <clears throat> and uh, that's okay. <laughs> I love it. We, we should have the ceremonial turning off of the cell phones. <laughs> That's okay. I had to, I had to do mine uh, before we started. Turn that volume all the way down. Yeah. Um, but God wants to teach us, and the Holy Spirit is such an amazing teacher. Honestly, he really is amazing because he will lead you and he will teach you step by step how to win. In every situation, he will teach you how to win. How to overcome, honestly, how to overcome yourself. Because those triggers are hot buttons to get your flesh turned on. Let me say that again. Triggers, emotional triggers, are things to get you to give a flesh response. Right? Well, 
It says in uh, Colossians that we are to reckon ourselves dead. So, if you're dead, you can't be tempted. If you're dead, you can't be triggered. Because, you should probably write this in your notes if you're taking notes, trigger equals temptation. All right? Trigger equals temptation. You're being tempted to respond in a sinful manner, in a manner that does not line up with Scripture. Are we okay? Is this making sense? Okay. <clears throat> God really loves you. And he's not mad at you. Even if you yelled at your wife on the way to, way to this meeting tonight, God still loves you. And that's why it's a gift of righteousness. You know, that's why it's a gift. Because you don't deserve gifts. Paychecks is what you deserve. You work for a paycheck, and you deserve a paycheck, and then you get a paycheck. But a gift is something given to you that you don't deserve. You may desire it, but you don't deserve it. And it's not a payment. Please don't get those mixed up. You can't pay people with gifts. One of the biggest problems I've seen repeatedly is trying to mix charity with business. You know, hiring people out of charity. Oh, man, I see so many problems come up because of that. You know? And, no, no, just, just write them, just throw them some money. If they need money, just throw them some money. But if you can't, if they're not the right person for the job, then it's your responsibility to either get the right spot for them or train them to become the right person for that job. All right? Uh, but let's get back to the spirit and the flesh. There's victory in store for you that the Lord wants to teach you how to have victory over your own flesh. Now, uh, most of you know that I speak in tongues, okay? I am a Holy Spirit-filled Christian, who, and I speak in tongues, and <clears throat> I do it on purpose, and I do it because I believe strongly in it. It doesn't overtake me. I have the ability to release it at will because the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, okay? So it's not going to overtake you. However, when I speak in tongues, I am obeying God on a syllable-by-syllable basis, okay? I'm speaking in a language I don't understand, but, if I, but you know, I can get it right if I'll listen. And what I'm doing when I'm speaking in tongues is I'm training myself to respond to the Spirit of God and obey Him on a syllable-by-syllable -syllable basis. Now, that may sound crazy to you, <clears throat> but let me share this another way. Nancy had a, just a picture while we were praying together one day, and because there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 2 that says, for he guards the course of the just and protects 
the way of his faithful ones, right? So he guards the course of the just. So Nancy was praying, and while she was praying, she saw this image of her and I in a, like a rowboat or whatever. We were in a boat, and we knew that there was rocks under the water, but we couldn't see it. And we knew if we hit them, we would sink, okay? Or there'd be damage. But she saw that the Lord just gave it. Now go forward. Okay, now just turn left a little bit here. Just go ahead and turn left. Now turn right. Now go straight for a little bit. You can't see the rocks. He knows exactly where the rocks are. Turn left now. Now turn right. Now wait just a minute. Now go. Now stop. Now go. See, that's obeying God step by step. And, you, and she saw that we made it all the way across the body of water without hitting a rock. I love that picture. But I want to tell you that praying in tongues is the same way. Because if, what if you were able to pray the perfect prayer? I mean, the prayer that, like, nailed it. I mean, you, you said God's will perfectly, and you got it out just perfectly. Okay? Well, if I will just listen syllable by syllable and say it, I could end up having said in some other language the prayer perfectly. Well, I'm training, God's, through that process, God's training me to follow him on a syllable by syllable basis. You could go breath by breath. Okay, Lord, what are you going to do next? And he'll show you a picture or he'll give you a desire. Okay, I might be, uh, I've, I've done this many, many times. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And I see myself all of a sudden playing the piano. So I walk over to the piano and play something. Or I see myself playing the guitar. Or I see myself opening my Bible. Or, to my wife's delight, I might see myself doing a push-up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have. I've seen it. Okay. Or I see myself get up and walk around. Go on a walk. It, do this. Do that. It's the same flow as when I'm speaking in tongues because it's coming up out of my spirit. And if we want to, um, uh, let's go back at verse 16. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is how you get victory over your flesh. Now, I will tell you a recipe for pain and disaster. Is anybody interested in a recipe for pain and disaster? You already know it. No, you already know. You know how this works. <laughs> I don't need to be told this. <laughs> Let me tell you a recipe for disaster. Two people get married, and they both walk in the flesh. Boy, that's a scary movie. That's a scary scenario. I do not want to be there. I don't want to see that. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be in the movie where everybody's walking in the spirit and everything's awesome. And when you come, or you're confronted with a problem, no problem. I, when I was working uh, for Bill Winston down in uh, Living Word, I was in charge of running the... the um, Ministers and Missions Conference. I was in charge of the whole conference, okay? Hundreds of people and a lot of pastors. <clears throat> and then there was this girl who helped me 
do all of the details. She managed everything. I was the director, the leader, but she really got the work done. I gave direction, she did it, right? And I was very thankful, she gave me a compliment. But she said, we've been doing this for years. And she said, we got to this one point in the conference where all of the pastors were supposed to come back to this, <clears throat> to the room, to this one room, and um, Pastor Winston was supposed to come in and teach all the pastors. And she said, we got to this one point where all of a sudden we realized we didn't have enough chairs set up, and we didn't have, there was something that wasn't ready. Kind of caught us off guard. And I just, so I, I dealt with the situation and said, well, what do we got to do? And, you know, we, we walked through it. She came to me after the conference, and she said, I've been doing this for years. And she said, every single time we got to that point, the pinch point, where all of the sudden, she said, every single leader we've had in the past, they became a different person at that point. All of a sudden, their rage, their anger, it all came out. She said, you're the first one I ever met, that you were the same person when we were in that spot as you were right before. I was like, dear God, how did you do this? Because I ain't that good. I was the one, I was the kid, I was the redhead with the, with the angry, I mean, I was good at being, at losing my temper. I was good at it, right? How did I get to the point where she said that about me? That's, I mean, in, that, in my mind, that, oh, that's absolutely miraculous that I could be transformed. How could I be transformed to that place? Well, how could you be transformed to that place where in your home and in interactions with people, no matter the relationship, how could you get to the point where that old trigger button gets pushed? And all of a sudden, the response is gone. How do we get there? So I was, uh, some of you heard this story before, but that's all right. I like to repeat stories, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's going to be a long life, so get used to it. <laughs> so when I was um, just 11 or 12 years old, and my brother had led me to the Lord, and uh, he had a bunch of friends home from college, and me and my brother Michael were arch enemies, okay? Anything that he liked, I didn't like. Anything I liked, he didn't like used to make fun of me for wanting to be a Christian, you know. And um, so Vince had his friends from college. We all went down to the park, and we're sitting down. We're down by the stream. Vince and his friends were sitting up on a rock. I'm down, on the stream, down at the stream with my brother Michael right next to me. We're turning over rocks, looking for crawdaddies, right? <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, Michael pushes me into the water unannounced, unprovoked. He just pushes me into the water. Now, my normal response, of course, I'm, a, I'm good at being angry and, uh, and losing my temper. I'm good at it. So my normal response was, okay, you're on. <laughs> Let's go. My brother Vince, back behind me, 20 feet behind me or so, from the rock said, Joseph, don't do anything. As soon as he said that, the desire to retaliate, I want to tell you, just lifted right off of me. 
How could we have an emotional, a typical emotional response be untriggered? Well, by following the leading of the Holy Spirit because he will set you free. Now, a friend of mine, he, um, he was a big-time drug dealer, okay? And, I mean, he used to have cops on his payroll. Just, I mean, he was a big-time drug dealer, all right? And <clears throat> he did six years in a federal penitentiary. Well, he got born again right before he went in to the pen. And so he spent time in the Word, just studying the Scriptures, memorizing passages. Then he, he would start a Bible study in, his, uh, in his, the penitentiary, and then he would start a library. He would call, like, the Osteens, and he would call all these different ministries or, or reach out to them, say, send us books. We need to start a Christian library in this penitentiary. So they would do that. And uh, then his name would come up on the warden's computer. This guy's becoming too influential. So they would ship him to a different federal penitentiary. And you know what he would do? <laughs> exactly. He would do the exact same thing all over again. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Um, when he got out, they, he, they had mandatory anger management courses and things like that. He had to meet with, you know, the PO and parole officer and all that. And uh, they're like, well, where's the anger? He said, there isn't any. She said, that's not possible. Never has happened. That's not possible. Where's the anger? And he said, there's not. I'm not angry. What happened? The word of God washed his soul. The word of God is truth. And the truth sets you free from triggers. You don't have to white, ride your white horse <laughs> into the situation and, and take authority over everything and destroy everything in your path. You think that a trigger gives you license to act a certain way. It does not. A trigger is a temptation to sin. You act a certain way because your flesh is trying to convince you that it's still alive. And you got some leftover code in your computer that needs to be erased. You need to, uh, you ever uninstall an app? You know, you uninstall the app off the computer. Can't run this program anymore. Okay? We can't run the blow up program anymore. We can't run the, um, verse 19. Sexual immorality. We can't run that program anymore. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. You can't run those programs anymore. Why? Because you're dead. You're dead to all that stuff. That stuff doesn't work on you anymore. It's old man stuff. You're new. You're brand new. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Joe, I thought this was about family. It for sure is. Because what I'm talking to you about is foundational to relationships. Because if you want to know the recipe for disaster, you got two people walking in the flesh. 
You want to know a recipe for heaven and the kingdom of God? You want to inherit the kingdom of God? You want to inherit righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? If you want to inherit that, let the fruit of the Spirit come out of you. Does this mean I have to be super disciplined to start being a loving person? Does an apple tree have to be super disciplined to produce apples? The apple tree doesn't think that way. The apple tree just thinks, I'm going to hang, keep these roots in the ground. I'm going to keep these roots in the ground. That's all the apple tree is thinking. I'm going to keep these roots in the ground. And as the bumper sticker says, fruit happens. I thought that's what it said. Maybe, oh, I got it wrong. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It happens. Fruit happens. You just hang on. Keep your roots. Fruit will happen. You become unmovable. You become unshakable. Because you are a loving person. Because you now are one with Christ. And if Christ is in you, sorry, but you just lost all your excuses. <laughs> you just lost all your excuses to blow up at people. Sorry, I just took that license away from you. <laughs> you, could, you could back out, rewind the tape, maybe go out the door backwards and see if you can back this up to make sure you don't lose that. But I prefer to lose the uh, privilege of blowing up. I prefer to lose that privilege. <sighs> so, did you get anything out of this so far? Tell me real quick, because I got more I got to share with you. So tell me, what'd you get? Go ahead. Amen. <laughs> Uninstall the flesh app <laughs> and keep the spirit app updated. I like that. Come on, who else? What'd you get? The kingdom of God is the dominion of God. That's right. That's right. What else? What'd you get? Everything fits in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, you're under the umbrella of Christ. That's like his dominion. You know, you're underneath and, and you're protected. You get to enjoy so much if you truly understand it, you know? That's good. What else did you learn? Go ahead. Yes. Keep the old man dead. Yep. That old man starts to stink. Go ahead, Spencer. Staying in tune. Yeah, tuning in to the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that really, that is a... Just something you need to remind yourself of. Because it's a simple turning. What am I going to pay attention to? Right now, my flesh says, stay in bed or do this or do that. But the Holy Spirit's saying, tune in. Come on. He'll lead you, but he won't force you. He won't force you. But he'll lead you. And if you'll follow the leading, you'll end up in the right place. And that is such a blessing to end up in the right place. Okay? Because Ephesians 2.10 says that God, he created you. You are, a, uh, you are a work of art. 
that he created to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. So if you are prepared and you end up in the right place, man, it's so sweet. So sweet. Um, anything else that you learned so far? What's that? It's a choice. It is a choice to walk by the Spirit. It really is. And God wants us to, um, God wants us to learn how to do that. Amen. Uh, but let me get into this word uh, that I have for you, that I really am excited about this family thing. <clears throat> the husband and wife, and here we go right now. Ready? Here we go. I'm used to clapping before. I used to do my daily show. <laughs> we would clap, you know, right before the beginning of the teaching. So we'd sync it up, make sure everything was right. So the husband and wife relationship in the home is the most important relationship in the home. A friend of mine, her and her husband were like boyfriend and girlfriend. They were just clingy, lovey-dovey all the time. And then they had a baby. Those things happen sometimes. <clears throat> so they were out at, out at uh, not Sam's, at Costco. And the guy, they, the guy was there giving out uh, samples. This old guy was standing there giving out samples. And he sees, oh, got a baby. He, he turns to the husband and says, you're not number one anymore, are you? And the husband turned and looked at his wife and said, is that true? And she was like, well, yeah. He let go of her hand and walked away. Year and a half later, they were divorced. Can you believe the pain? The scripture says, after, the scripture says there was a thing in, in creation God did not like. What was it? He did it when man, he saw that man was alone. This is not good. Everything else he said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. When he saw man alone, this is not good. He said, I will make and help meat for him. Now, that doesn't mean meat like flesh or, or you know, a chunk of flesh. The word meat there is ideally suited for. Have you ever, um, uh, let's say, been wearing a tight pair of shoes and then you pull out this old pair of shoes out of the closet that you've, I mean, it just fits you because you've worn it into place and it fits perfectly. And you put those shoes on and the comfort that you feel from that old pair of shoes, it's like, because you can actually just be yourself and relax and those shoes fit you perfectly, right? That's meat, ideally suited for. So when God said, I will make and help meat for you. I will make a helper suitable for you. And so here the man was all one, but then God 
took out. It didn't just take a rib. He took a lot more than a rib. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, if you want to just think about it logically, in a sense, uh, you could say that it was uh, hermaphroditic. You know, you say, nah, I don't like this. It pulls out the part, the female part, right? And he creates woman or a man with a womb or female, right? The male that can bear the fetus, right? You see that? So when he made the two, he said the two shall become one flesh. And once he saw that, it's the only time in Scripture he said, now this is very good. Now, you know what that means? That husband and wife relationship, that was complete. That's a complete family right there, husband and wife. Complete family. It's not when you add children that it becomes complete. The husband and wife relationship, it's complete. Now, the fruit of that, bringing forth children, now there's a blessing. But that's, that's sending something into the future. That's the, the you know, continuation of the race. <laughs> um, you know, God gave you a sex drive. And when, when he said, be fruitful and multiply, it was at that moment you got a sex drive. Okay? And thank God you did. Thank God he put that in you and in all people because if he hadn't, this race would have stopped a long time ago. The runners would have stopped running. The swimmers would have stopped swimming. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> God gave that to you as a gift. But the man and the woman becoming one is God's ideal. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, he said, that is my perfect canvas to speak to the world of what my relationship with Jesus' relationship to the church. He said, I want to show the world a picture of Jesus and the church. He said, what's a good canvas? I know I'm going to use the husband and wife relationship. And so he takes the husband and wife relationship and says, this is my canvas. Now, you know how I told you about how when I speak in tongues, I'm following God's leading on a syllable-by-syllable -syllable basis. And as you interact, for those of you who are married, as you interact with your spouse, that is one brush stroke of paint after another. One brush stroke after another. Now, who's the artist? God's the artist if we're following his lead. But if we're not, what is the world seeing? What is the picture that's coming up onto that canvas? Can the world see? the beautiful picture of Jesus 
and the bride of Christ by looking at your marriage. If they can't see that, then we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want to follow his lead. Over and over again, people come to church. You know visitors come to church? All kinds of churches across America and around the world. Visitors come to church. You know why they come to church? They're looking for one thing. You know what they're looking for? J-E-S-U-S. I wonder if Jesus goes to this church, and if so, can I meet him? Well, if Jesus doesn't attend that church because nobody there knows him, which is the case in many. We were talking earlier. Me and Roger used to work uh, in telemarketing together. And um, back at Christianity Today, we had a database of about 180,000 churches across America. And we could tell you for sure there were many of those pastors who you know for sure they're not born again. Many. Stunning, but true. So people show up to church wanting to meet Jesus. Does he go to this church? Can I meet him? If he doesn't even attend, nobody here knows him, my chances of getting to meet him here, zero. So they don't come back. Or they see how the pastor acts and they think, that guy's a real jerk. If he's filled with Jesus, I don't want to meet Jesus. I heard somebody say the other day that they don't want to get married. You know why? Because every illustration they've seen of marriage has discouraged them from getting married. So then what do you end up with? Because then the sex drive doesn't go away. So you end up with all these kids raised outside of wedlock. Where's daddy? Oh, he don't live here. How do you get to know it, daddy? Oh, you don't. All you know is disappointment. Right? What's the recipe? The recipe is do it God's way. The recipe is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The recipe is do what the scripture says. Do what the leading of the Holy Spirit gives you. You know? And as that happens, then the canvas is getting the right brush strokes on it. And people are watching. Nancy and I, here being in the ministry for, you know, or at least pastoring for 15 years, we've been in the ministry a whole lot longer than that. But but pastoring for 15 years, and then hearing couples say, well, and when they're trying to make a decision, well, what do the Barlows do? We hear that. Well, what do the Barlows do? How, how do we make this decision? Well, what do the Barlows do? That's a pretty heavy responsibility, okay? <clears throat> well, we better be doing the right thing. But that doesn't feel like a burden to us. Because if all we're doing is, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do now? <laughs> I'm good. What do you want me to do? I'm good. What, which way? You want me to turn left or right? What, what do you want me to do? It's easy. It's just like it's easy to speak in tongues. It's easy just to give whatever comes. 
You see what I'm saying? The Spirit of God wants to love you. The Spirit of God wants to bless you. The Spirit of God wants to heal your marriage. But learning how to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh is your key. The husband and wife relationship is the primary relationship in the home. When that relationship is in order, the rest of the home can come into order because it is the key. When the key fits, it's in place, then everything else can line up around it. <clears throat> when it's not right, then it's not right. So my encouragement to you would be learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Learn how to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And follow God's roadmap for the husband and wife relationship. As a matter of fact, let me say this. Uh, for these first five weeks, today included, so remember, remember I told you we would go five weeks, take a week off. Do another five weeks, take two weeks off, right? So that will be our pattern through the year. So let's take this first five weeks. I'm going to just make this decision right now. We'll take this first five weeks and focus on the husband and wife relationship because it is the priority relationship, just so you know what's coming. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're single because you still need to hear this, I believe. Because either you're prepping to be married or you're going to be able to teach this. But if we could get this thing <clears throat> fixed, if we could get this husband and wife thing fixed, what would happen to our society? Um, you know, the prisons are filled with people, not with people that got too many spankings. They're filled with people who came from a home with no daddy. Mostly. Mostly. They're filled with people who came from a home with no daddy. There are homes where the wife has driven the husband out. Well, I was, I was doing some marriage counseling for a couple where, you know, the husband, um, he was talking to some other woman. So we sat down, talked through it. You know, in the marriage counseling sessions, she was sitting at one end of the couch and he was at the other end. He was feeling guilty and she was, I'll use a kind word, angry. <laughs> so we talked through it. We prayed through it. Man, it was good. It was really beautiful. And a couple months later, they were sitting on my couch again. And she said, he will not erase her number from his phone. I said, brother, let me tell you something. If you and your wife were laying in bed at night and all of a sudden you hear the living room window break, what's the expectation? The expectation is, sir, you get out of bed and go handle that and drive that intruder out of the home. She said, but if your wife's laying in bed and you walk out into the living room, and all of a sudden, you're talking as if you're friendly with the guy. Guess what? Your wife needs to drive you out of the home as well. Because now you are a part of the problem. Because you've befriended the enemy. 
and she has a job to protect those little ones. And if you will not protect the family, she has to drive you out. You want to see a mama bear robbed of her cubs? She'll kill you. I'm telling you, she will not hold back. If she's not safe in that home, she will drive you out of that home. Does this sound serious to anybody? It's reality in a lot of places. It is reality. Men most often have not been taught to be men. They don't know what a real man is. As uh, who is it? Burt Reynolds said. He said, nobody's a man until their father tells them that they are. And he said, my father never told me that I was. So men, I call you now, right this moment, be a man. I call you into manhood. Be a man. Be a man who protects. Be a man who loves. Be a man who guards and provides. Be a man who loves. Be a man who's safe. Be a man who's trustworthy. Be a man who emulates who Jesus Christ is. When they look at you, they see a picture of Jesus. There was a, there was a couple that came to our church years ago, and uh, they asked me, because they, they were supposed to go start a new church. So they went down to San Antonio, started a new church. But they said, would you be our spiritual covering? Would you kind of... I said, well, what do you see in me? What do you see in us? He said, all I see is Jesus. Okay, I'm sold. <laughs> well, whatever you need. <laughs> so I ordained them and sent them on their way. Went down several times to help them and love them and bless them. <sighs> Be Jesus. He's already in you. All you have to do is let him shine. It goes back to the simple. This little light of mine. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's how easy it is. I'm going to let it shine. The fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list. The fruit of the Spirit is what's showing up in your grocery cart. I mean, it's who you are. It comes out of you automatically. Do you have to focus on bearing fruit? Does an apple tree have to focus on bearing apples? No. It just keeps its roots in the ground. And fruit happens. Allow the fruit. Now, you do have to agree with the fruit because you do have a choice. Just like I mentioned with Olivia, you have a choice. You could walk in the flesh. And you know we're all good at that, right? We've all had a lot of practice. But the scripture actually says that you can train your flesh to walk in the Spirit. You can train yourself so that your first response is not, it's like, oh, okay, everything's fine. You're not triggered. You just find a new release for your trigger. Okay? What about strife? What about a spirit of strife? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll get there. Okay? What do you do? When, when, how do you diffuse a situation between the husband and wife when they're banging heads on, you know, and, and you just can't fix it? What do you do? We'll talk about it, okay? But I will tell you this. The key is walking in the Spirit. 
because just like I had zero idea of what to do when I walked into Olivia's bedroom, I had zero idea about what to do except to call on God and say, Lord, you really need to help me here. And I expected God to show up, and he did. The same thing in any relationship you're dealing with, the same thing. You can have victory by walking in the Spirit. You cannot have victory by walking in the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, you are already defeated because that is the battle. The battle is between your flesh and your spirit. Your flesh is saying, I want my way. Your spirit's saying, no, we're going to follow God. The flesh says, but I want it my way. Now, the human soul is the seat of authority. Just like we have DuPage County, we have the county seat. The seat of authority is, in, is at the county court building, right? That's, that's where it's at. The seat, the, the seat of authority for DuPage County that's where it is. The seat of authority in the human person is in your soul. You get to make this, you get to decide whether your flesh or your spirit wins. Because it says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5:23, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. But he's got to have your cooperation. So I was telling somebody. Oh, it was really good what you did. They said, oh, it was all God. I said, yeah, but he couldn't have done it without you. That's true. Yeah, it's great to say, oh, there was some worship leader at Bethel uh, up there with Bill Johnson. And uh, this worship leader was leading worship, and then he came down after it. And uh, Bill Johnson said, man, that was really good. He said, oh, it was all the Lord. He said, no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> but God does need you. God needs you. You know, when I was working in that company, some of you know that I worked for a hedge fund. I was the chief operating officer of a $550 million hedge fund. And I said, Lord, why did you put me here? Because I had zero industry experience in finance in any of the markets or anything. I didn't even really know what a hedge fund, or I didn't even know what a mutual fund really was. I gave a kindergarten response when this recruiter from New York City asked me. I, I gave him the most stupid response. I said, Lord, why did you put me here? He said, because I needed a faithful man. I said, well, the faithful thing I can do, but this, this stuff with the finance, man, I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know. But I did the faithful thing. So guys, you can do the faithful thing. Be faithful. If you're not reading your Bible, start reading your Bible. If you're not washing your wife with the water of the word of God, start it. Well, what does that mean? Read Psalm 23 to her tomorrow morning. Read Psalms 1 to her. Just find, or, or read a book, read a proverb. You know, what's today's date? We're the 6th. Oh, yeah, this is the, some said this is a day of infamy, right? This is going to go down in history, right? <clears throat> so January 6th, 
So today, read the sixth chapter of Proverbs. Well, see if your wife will let you read it to her. Well, man, I don't feel comfortable. Well, that's because your flesh is not comfortable. It's not your spirit that's not comfortable. It's your flesh. What do you want to do? Say, honey, can I have five minutes? Let's just sit down together. Why? Just, just honey, come on. Let's just, just come on. Just sit down with me for five minutes. I just want to read something, okay? The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, wash your wife with the water of the word of God. Can you imagine what would happen in marriages if just that one five-minute practice a day happened in marriages? Things could change. Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, please consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God and journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.